Hi, I'm Reverend Billy here from the Church of Stop Shopping in New York City. I've got some good radio for you here today. Good podcasting, good songs, timely commentary, good celebrity sex, real estate tips, money, reading materials, health drinks. I love you. <laughs> Wait a minute, did you hear that? I got a technical... What? What the... Some kind of split-second delay going on. Well... I'm sure I'm inside someone's machine. They have to monitor this, I suppose, you know. I know I work for the surveillance economy myself. I'm not naive. They say in New York City that each of us is walking down the street on an average day, and we're being filmed. We're in 14 movies simultaneously. Is that amazing? I'm going to touch your neck. A million nerves like a swarm of flowers with bees buzzing and a field in a wind in my fingers. Not a split second away. No delay. No delay. This is Reverend Billy again. That's the Stop Shopping Choir. One of our old anthems, The Shapocalypse Song, written by Rick Ulfick. It's got some timely lines in there, doesn't it? Driving all night to the wilderness. Will we survive the logo's hiss? The Shapocalypse. Is it scary enough for the people out there, you in the megachurch, for it to occur to you that you have to figure out how to survive the Shapocalypse? It scares me. Well, I have a solution here for you. It's a power prayer, we call it, from the ritual bank of the Stop Shopping Church. It goes like this. You inhale and then exhale, and in your breath are words. It's a sentence. It's a one-sentence prayer. 
And it helps with this prayer a lot if you can think of, as you say it, a loved one or a loved forest, a place, uh, a wetlands, a coral reef, a prairie, a, a loved one. You got a loved one in the house? Bring that loved one over to the table. It'll help you with this prayer. All right, here we go. Now I'm going I'm to say it and then I'm going to leave some space for you to uh, have your own prayer. Whatever you wish for, whatever strong feeling you have, you are uh, welcome to it. Here we go. I love you. that feel I hope you meant it I hope it had the power I uh, I was aided in my work here with my prayer a picture of my my mother June who passed on uh, last in the last century and uh, June I do love you you know that Love will fill in with life the split second, that delay that we must get rid of for our actions, for our beliefs, to have the power that we have to have in this emergency, this life and death emergency. But if we don't, if we let that delay stay there, oh, the crowds of careerists that see their profit center there, they just rush in the reputational consultants and all the lawyers and post-structuralist intellectuals and the fluffers and the systems analysts and the brand integrity and professionals. Don't forget the marketing and the gangsters who work for Trump in the EPA. No, we do have a life and death emergency and we have to act. We have to do it together. We can't let that interruption Oh, let's go right now to the emergency, to the murder site of Eric Garner. It was the sixth anniversary of his murder on July 17th. We were there. The Stop Shopping Choir was there. And so, of course, were the hosts, his loved ones, his friends, his people from the neighborhood. Let's go now. Eric Garner. Yes, and there was the streets and sidewalks and the Staten Island Ferry Terminal Building. We went in there as well. A crowd of people, including the relatives. This is the sixth anniversary. This has not been solved. Or rather, it's been solved, but it's clear who the murderers are. A large group of white New York police people killed a man in public, and it was videotaped. But there's no indictment. Finally, the main person with the chokehold 
Pondalio, uh, finally he was fired, but the grand jury refuses to go forward. The same thing happened in Minneapolis. The grand jury refuses to go forward when Philander Castile is obviously murdered, shot through the window of his car. The DA down in Ferguson refusing to move on the man who murdered uh, Michael Brown. This is too settled. It's too programmed into official law enforcement. And now we'll see if finally it changes. So we're going to go now to an interview with Erica Garner, who later passed away with a heart attack. Shortly after the murder, the family of the Garners, including Eric Garner's brother, got together and made a song. And so we're going to play that song, I Can't Breathe, as well.
daddy's girl. Everything that my dad taught me, you have to be a leader, you have to lead by example. Now I understand why he was telling me all these things growing up. I just miss him a lot. I do. My name is Erica Garner. My dad was Eric Garner. Um, he died on the streets of Staten Island. My sister calls, and it was a shock because that was the, in the middle of the day. Like, what are you calling me for? So she's like, oh my God, Erica, you know, I just got some um, bad news. I don't know, mom is uh, hysterical. She's crying. She's just yelling out that he stopped breathing. I'm like, who stopped breathing? You know, he's talking about daddy, daddy. I said to my coworker, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I, my dad stopped breathing. As we're driving out there, we see news vans and police tape around the area. A news reporter from Daily News said that there's a video. And my brother, I don't know, he disappeared. He went in the back and got on the computer and looked it up. Which way does it matter because you said I did it, I did it? No, I did it. My bag, I got no bag! I didn't show anything. My brother just screamed out. He was like, y'all, come look. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All I can hear is my mom screaming. I was just yelling at the screen, like, get off of him. That's like, stop it. My head was spinning. I was hot, throwing up. That's how we uh, found out. Me and my family were sitting around just looking at the TV. And the decision came down. Everyone was, I just was stoned. I had a stoned look. My mom was crying. My sister was crying. And, you know, we all left each other to go home. On the ride across the bridge, the cab driver got upset. He was like, these damn protesters. And I'm like, what protesters where? That's when I seen, I guess there had to be a million people outside. They screaming out Eric Garner. I stood out the window and I was like, thank you. I'm Eric Garner's daughter. They surrounded the car and was like, we love you. We doing this for you guys. It felt like, wow. Like, in my saddest moment, where I didn't know how to feel, and I seen all these people out here for my dad, that just made me feel empowered in a way.
the Garners, the Garner family, the song, and then the interview with Erica Garner. This extraordinary family, we were with them and their friends, the neighborhood, and that extended family just Friday on the sixth anniversary of the passing, the public murder of Erica Garner. We felt their long game they're involved in. The rest of their lives, the thing that has happened, the super public thing that has come down upon them, the responsibility that they've taken, to keep repeating Eric Garner's words, I can't breathe, and to give those words as a gift to the rest of us so that we say in response, we can't breathe. And that echo carries across the nation, across the world. We've discovered now that dozens of victims of police violence repeated that phrase again and again until finally George Floyd looks us in the eye, calls out to his dead mother, and says it again. And then it comes to us on the streets. And we keep repeating it like a mantra, like a mantra, like a mantra. Say the names. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmoud Arbery, Eric Garner. We can't breathe. We can't breathe. We can't breathe for hours and hours and days and days. And finally, when the police had to stop beating us, batons to the head, pepper gas, ambulances, low helicopters chasing us off alleys, they had to stop because of public revulsion. That's what happened in New York. It happened on the day of June 4th because they were running around ambushing unarmed people, beating them up, taking them in buses to jails or hospitals. After they stopped, then out in the streets, the bridges, the freeways, the alleys out there in public space, the parks, the plazas, we doubled and tripled in our numbers. And that became an establishment of the Garner family's love. We had a gift economy. We were taking care of each other, the water, the snacks. It was hot on the pavement, 95, 97 degrees a couple days. In the 90s, a lot, walking for hours until there were so many marchers that the different marches and rallies started crossing into each other. I remember one day the Black Trans Lives March kind of, kind of came right into the Caribbean March. And on Juneteenth, June 19th, when the Union soldiers went down to Texas and told the slaves who were not being told by their owners that they were free now, the news came. And on that day, there were more than 100 rallies and marches in the five boroughs. Love became something that we practiced on a daily basis. We were making public love, looking each other in the eye in a relaxed way, the water, the snacks, helping medically, the music, the chanting, the walking and walking and walking. It wasn't always clear who the leaders were. We knew they were black or brown. We knew they, they were the right people. But there were so many of us that really couldn't gather around a stage. It was more breathing. It was, it was just a vast community. The city was outside. We were the traffic. Now we're coming back. We're coming back home from that performance of love. From that demonstration that love is the agent of change. 
So many of us talking easily, dancing, walking, singing with strangers for hours and hours. I think love is something that we were starting over and establishing again. Because I think we had a sense that love had been taken from us or that love had been rendered ineffective. Ineffective because there are just so many, so many people of color, unarmed people, more than a thousand a year that we know of here in the United States. The police just know they're going to get away with it and they do get away with it. And it's the entire law enforcement culture, the DA's office, the police, and even the grand juries. How do the grand jury? let some of these people go and it's a public execution and a movie has been made of it that millions of people have seen and it still doesn't matter. No, no, no. Don't tell me the police are reformable. This is about stopping and starting police the way that we have stopped and started our love. You have to be radical now. I think we felt that love had lost its power. Now the church is up shopping. You know, we have our explanation. <laughs> We believe that the marketers, the big institutions, the religion, the, the military, the big institutions, that they know how to colonize our love, to make us believe that what we've got here is not sufficient. What I've got in my body is not sufficient. Psychologically, I'm starting to work on a deficit. And so I'll swipe that credit card so that I will buy back what I already have. I'll buy back repackaged, remanufactured love, perfume, eyeliner, Fancy clothes, music, and a lot of electronic devices. <laughs> All the things that are thousands of products being sold back to us to give us our experience from the outside. We pay for that. We pay for what we already have with money that we don't have. What kind of an economy is that? We pay for what we don't think we have, but we do have with money that we believe we have but don't have. Ooh, we're being conned. <laughs> we're being conned. Well, those thousand products, we're gradually going back to those products. Our retail economy is coming back slowly. Now that we're in our homes, we're off the streets, we're facing those institutions. We're going to have to translate that radical experience of love out there and we're going to have to come back here and learn not to delay, not to hesitate, even if we feel the surveillance and the weight of the lurking, observing, interrupting us institutions. We've got to have that I love you. I love you. It has to come right through. Oh, here, I feel a song coming on. I love you. It's coming right through me and you. <laughs> Am I right? Give me a couple days. I'll, I'll send that out in the emails. <laughs> we'll get the choir to sing it to you. Yes, now we have a special challenge because now is the next step. A lot of us are isolated. A lot of us, I have some people that were in Black Lives Matter that live up and down the street in my neighborhood. And a lot of the things that took place in Black Lives Matter were not so far from our home. But many of us are more isolated than our little family. And yet they have the Black Lives Matter love in them now. They have the garners in them. We can, can't breathe. And so therefore, we will begin to breathe anew. Breath is life. Breath is love. Breath is the future. Life has been given to us by love. The earth is in our bodies. 
We feel the love. It's palpable. It's real. It's in us. Never be embarrassed by love. Never hesitate. Act on it. The action is the love. The action is the love. Love, hallelujah. Change, hallelujah. Earth, hallelujah. Amen. Now, this is the end of today's church service. I'm Reverend Billy. Thank you. I'm grateful. 
And we need to thank the, the fiery eagles of justice and the Stop Shopping Choir for their music. Thanks to Neil Young for helping us develop this half hour long raving musical thing that we've made here. Thank you, Neil. The Pantheon Podcast people, thank you for sending us out to the world. Thank you to Savitri D, the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, and Nehemiah Luckett, our music director. Until next week, this is Reverend Billy. Love-a-lujah.